excellence is best described or best practiced when you're sucking the marrow out of life, my friend. And that, Mike, is when you're actually in the present moment. Welcome back to another episode of the Unlock Your Excellence podcast. I'm your host, Mike Higgins, and this is a place for high-performing individuals who still have a desire to continuously level up their life. Each week, we'll be having conversations around our five pillars of faith, health, relationships, mindset, and money. And if you're looking for the key to help you unlock that next level in your life, then come along as we continue our journey of excellence together. Today, we're talking with a special guest and friend, Matt Drinkon. Matt has been coaching high-performance individuals and teams for eight years with ProAdvisor Coach. He's coached and given talks within organizations such as Vector Marketing, Entrepreneurs Organizations, Oracle, Bank of America, Google. He's a front-row dad with three daughters, married nine years to his amazing wife, Julie. He's a scratch golfer, which I've witnessed in person on the course. And he's the host of the Eternal Optimist podcast. And what you can expect on today's episode is conversations around mindset. Matt's going to show us how to prime ourselves each day and each and every day for success, getting everyone in the family involved in setting goals and working together in the business. And I'm super excited to take a look behind the curtain of a guy that I personally admire and look up to. So Matt, before we dive into your story, I'm going to kick this off like I do with every podcast and ask you, how does Matt Drinkon define excellence? Great question. Excellence is when in the morning when I'm in the shower, I can sing soprano. Or excellence is in the morning when I can wake up and go to the kitchen table with my daughters and Mm. we can color in an insanely inappropriate adult coloring book called Farting Animals. (laughs) Excellence is when I can wake up in the morning and just be in my miracle morning. You know, all of these are examples of excellence in my mind, because they're all examples of me being in the moment Mm. and enjoying life. As Robin Williams would say back in that movie, uh, Dead Poet Society, carpe diem, suck the marrow out of life. Excellence is best described or best practiced when you're sucking the marrow out of life, my friend. And that, Mike, is when you're actually in the present moment. I would say that we are modeling excellence right now because we're both here and we're doing our best to be in the moment. Mm. That's that's short-term in the moment. That's what excellence might look like uh, to kick off. I love it. So, do, you have, do you have an affiliate link for the Farting Animals book that we can post? <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, well, yeah, this, this, this Animals book, it was born out of, uh, of course, I have to use sense of humor for just about everything. You know, I take everything with a grain of salt. Uh, I'm obsessed with success, whatever that might mean to others. To me, success would look like I am obsessed with serving my clients and helping them achieve their goals. Mm. And on the flip side of that, I don't take myself too seriously. I don't take life too seriously. I take these standards, say excellence, very seriously. The way I go about doing it is having a good time and sucking the marrow out of life as we do it. And that's what excellence might be. And that's, that's how we show up every day, every moment when we can. I love it. I love it. Matt, take take a couple minutes to give us kind of the the short version of your life story from birth till now. Give the listeners a little context before we dive in kind of to the tactical conversation about mindset relationships today. Give us a little uh, peek behind the curtain life story of, of Matt Drinkon. 
This might be the most interesting two minutes in anyone's life. So just watch out, everyone. This is going to be a great two minutes. Or it could be uh, just just kind of funny or, or serious. Take it as you will. I was born in 1977, military family. I moved 17 times in 21 years. Dad was military. Mom was an English school teacher. I played a bunch of sports. I was a huge nerd. I always had a crush on some girl that would not give me attention. Maybe there's something around that. Uh, then... I grew taller than everyone. I grew to be six foot six. I dunked a basketball when I was a sophomore in high school. I went to college, joined a fraternity for a little while, sold Cutco knives. Mm. Yes, I was one of those knife sellers. It was awesome, I had a great experience. Still, oddly enough, I've not cut myself to this day with a Cutco knife, knock on wood. After Cutco, unfortunately, my father passed away when I was 28. That was a, a monumental moment in life. We went to a little state of depression there for about six months. My mom read to me in my dad's diary, his regret in life was that he never got a chance to caddy for me in the pro golf tour. Mm. So I stopped what I was doing, tried to play pro golf for 30 months, failed miserably, meaning I didn't make any money, had to go get a real job. Took that job in corporate America twice, two stints in corporate America for three years each, running companies, running companies for other people, running sales and operations teams for other people. And then, I joined the ranks of the entrepreneurs again as an executive business coach. And I help people build systems that uplift their people and grow their business. And I've been doing that now. I'm in the ninth year of doing that. I love it. I have a beautiful wife, Julie, who's way out of my class, way out of my league. And I've got three beautiful daughters who are seven, six, and four at the time of this recording in 2023, January, February. Oh, February. February 1st. And I am a proud front row dad with you because that is the most important mission I have right now in my life is to be the dad who shows up and, and loves those kids. And I'm a part of a group called Tribe of Investors you know, run by Eric Van Horn, and Justin Donald, where we work on entrepreneurially how to continue uh, to grow a net worth and continue to have impact out there in the world. And I'm a member of the exchange community. So if you can keep track of all that audience, there's a lot of stuff that goes into all that. But I'd say that that's, that's that, not life in a nutshell so far. Oh, and the Eternal Optimist podcast. My passion right now, man. It's my baby. I love Helping it. Bring some hope to the world. You're yeah. surrounded by high performers on a daily basis, right? And yeah. um, it's seemingly, even as a high performer, that high performer still wants more. Uh, and you know, your job in life is, is helping them continuously get to the next level, optimizing their life. What are you seeing? Like, what do you see as the quote unquote, I'm going to do air quotes, the problem that allow that that doesn't allow a person to perform at their optimal level, right? Does that does that make sense? I feel that would best make sense to me in the form of a story. And the story might be the story of my life and it might be the story of the lives of many of your listeners. If you have listeners that are high achievers, people that are attracted to the concept of unlock your excellence, maybe these are people that might, uh, they might connect with the idea of being a, a perfectionist mm. or a hyper perfectionist who always look at things and say that I can do better, I can do more, I can do more. And it was recently brought to my attention uh, on a podcast I was on where they diagnosed and coached me very transparently live in real time. Uh, they diagnosed me that all of the stuff that I talk about, I continue to use the word 
more, achieve more, be more, show up more. And the word more continues to show up in my vocabulary in the way that I am. And their hypothesis was that logically, I figured a whole bunch of things out. Smart, I figured things out. Emotionally, I, I've got to come to the conclusion myself, my own way through, through the work, that I am enough. And if I'm always wanting more, always looking to optimize this and grow that and unlock that, I may not have accepted that I actually am enough. I have enough. The place I'm in right now is enough. And when we can realize that the perspective is that we actually are in a great spot right now, we don't need more. When we let the pressure go that we put on ourselves to have to achieve, to have to go, to have to get more, it's amazing what can happen when instead of always push, 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 get more, instead of that, when you're really in the moment present with where you are, it's interesting how you're able to actually get more hmm. by being present here. And I see that happen all the time with entrepreneurs. They stress out over and over. And I can, I can, Mike, I can tell you that this, this is me for the number of years, always pushing for more, always feeling that I could have, should have, would have done this a little bit different. I could be a little bit farther along the path had I done this and always a little bit of, maybe a little bit of a push to myself or, or shade on myself because uh, I didn't get there yet. Right. So that, that constant, this is, this is illuminated in Dan Sullivan's book, Ben Hardy's book, you know, the gap in the game that we've talked about the front row dads, you know, the person that's always looking towards what they don't have. They're always focused on the gap, the way they fell short versus those who look at the gain, the perspective of here's all I have done, made the progress. And now let's go level up again. So, Dude, Mike, you, this happens sometimes. You ask the question, I start talking. I forgot what the question was. So tell me, did I answer that or come close to what you asked? No, that was perfect. It was perfect, causing people not to perform at their optimal level. And when you were talking there, it makes me think about what the, the next question is, why, why is more the natural default for people and not, not the... You know, because it, it seemed it would seem easy, right? Like, well, then we should be teaching almost contentment is kind of like, a, you know, happiness, contentment in the beginning, rather than this insatiable desire for more, more, more. Why is more the natural default that you see as this common theme across people? And where are we missing the boat early on in life that not help people tap into this emotional intelligence piece of being the gap in the gain, focusing on the good things that have come in their life early on. And we're, we're always just caught up with wanting more and not having enough. Great question. Why is more the natural default across people? That's a great question. I feel that that's the question I wanted to ask. It's what you asked. I feel that's, that's the right question right now. Consider this, however, is that the natural default? I don't believe that's actually the natural default is to want more, 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 more. I believe this is something that we mostly learn from our parents or from society. Look at what we're feeding ourselves every day. We're feeding ourselves. Uh, if you watch the news, if you watch social media, if you have, even if you're not paying for cable and you're watching just YouTube, just YouTube, every few minutes, an ad comes up and the message that we're promoting over and over and over again, is always more, something's newer, something's better, something's shinier, faster, whatever it is, it'll help you get rid of your problems. There's always something that's a solution. Always spend a little bit more. You can always do a little bit more. You can always stop. I mean, there's always something, some message out there. So I don't know if 
more is the natural default across people. I think kids can be just as happy. Like when I was poor growing up, I was happy with one thing. I was happy with one Star Wars figure in the first grade, you know, and now it's interesting because now I do want more. I feel this is something that we've learned. Where are we missing the boat? I think we might be missing the boat on more in the place that, well, it starts with what we learn when we're young. So me as a parent in attempting to model for the kids uh, about what what might be the way to go. I don't want to say should be the way to go. I'm not the the judge and the creator of us all. So I don't know what should or shouldn't be. I have an opinion on it. And I believe that if we want our kids to be happy, then teaching them how to accept what is, how to be in the moment now, that is where I want to go with them. So that's great and fine and dandy, Matt, if you start right now with, with the kids. But what about me? What about right. me? I'm your listener, and I'm already in a place where I want more, more, more. How do I work through that? Because it could be challenging. I could be a perfectionist right now. Well, my friends, uh, I've got some feedback for you on that. All you need to do is call and hire me, and I can coach you on that. Or you can stick around and listen to this next sentence. So, Mike, uh, since you have me on camera, I'm going to show something on my camera here, and I will describe it to our listeners at home. I've got a model over here I want to show you. And the model, uh, you can see on the screen. I'll read it to you, team. The model are three qualities. Qualities, feel free to jot these down or imagine these three qualities. They are gratitude plus curiosity plus self-compassion equals peace. And that's like inner peace. So here it is again, gratitude plus curiosity plus self-compassion equals peace. And just to be a little bit more clear, self-compassion, I would define that as patience and grace with yourself. And I would fail, if this is a cocktail, if we're creating this recipe of this amazing drink, and when you drink this drink, you're gonna have inner peace. Well, here's the drink. It's a part gratitude, a part curiosity, and a part self-compassion. Self-compassion is patience and grace. Now. If you're a hyper perfectionist or you're someone that struggles with this gap thinking, how might you overcome that? Well, first, you're already the, the there's an implicit bias in asking the question, how might you overcome it? Because I want more. I want to be more. Well, just be mindful that the way to overcome it is not by adding more to your repertoire. It's by actually practicing these three qualities. The hardest of which I've found might be the self-compassion. So Again, the formula, gratitude plus curiosity plus self-compassion equals peace. Gratitude. Well, gratitude, if you're very cerebral and you've accomplished and overachieved and you're someone that, that has done that in your career, then gratitude might be, I'm grateful for the things that I have. I'm grateful that I woke up healthy today. I'm grateful for the family, for the house, for living in the United States, having you know, peace right? Uh, like physical peace. We're not getting bombed right now. I'm grateful for those things. So gratitude is something. It's a word that's out there a lot. You can study that. Gratitude's there. The second one, curiosity. Curiosity is more something I, I feel people don't have as much. Here's how you might consider curiosity. Curiosity is a question, and it might be, how might I take this circumstance in front of me right now and use this to my advantage? Or how might I take this circumstance right now, this thing that might be happening, how might I take this and view this as a gift? How might I take this and view this as a teacher that's here to teach me some valuable lesson that I can teach my family, that I can teach the world? That's curiosity. How might I take this circumstance, situation, whatever it is, 
and use this to my advantage or use this as a teacher or view this as a gift. That's curiosity. The third one, the self-compassion is the place that I found that most perfectionists who have a center in the heart, high empathy people, people who are highly emotional. Uh, I can say that because I'm not one of those people, uh, but I coach a number of those people. I have found this is the part that can most resonate with them that to unlock this perfectionism to get to a place where you're not always constantly looking for more or feeling less than is probably more connecting with an empathy folk feeling less than if you want to overcome that and unlock excellence in, in that regard through your heart self-compassion and the practice of self-patience and grace is the way to do that and how do you do that i have found that anytime i have a hurt my heart hurts or I feel judgmental of others, or I'm upset because let's say I'm playing basketball with Mike Higgins. I'm getting ready to shoot a layup and win on the fast break. And he pulls up and shoots a three pointer and he misses it. Mike didn't pass me the ball. Why didn't he do that? I'm upset. I'm kind of hurt right now that he didn't do that. Or, or my kids aren't listening to me at dinner table and they're being disrespectful. And this is hurting me or my wife, she won't listen to this or that, whatever it might be. Any of those circumstances, I might, my heart, my heart might start to hurt a little bit. And if I feel anger, frustration, resentment, a counter to that might be slowing down, learning to breathe. And I like to write a card. This is how I practice the self-compassion, the patience and grace is that if I'm feeling overly perfect, perfectionistic, feeling less than, I didn't get what I wanted, I, I'm not enough. If I'm ever feeling that, I write in my journal some affirmations to myself. That helps me to heal my heart. If I'm feeling judgmental towards others, I'm feeling frustrated towards others who didn't hold up their end of the bargain or in any reason whatsoever, a client didn't follow through or someone just didn't show up for a conversation that they said they would, if I ever feel any judgment or frustration towards others, I will take them into my scope and I will literally write them a card and appreciate them mm. and appreciate where they are in the world right now. What's going on in their life? I have no idea what's going on. I simply want you to know that for who you are as a human, I value you and I love you, man. I appreciate you. So those are some steps, some thoughts on how one might take this unlocking of their own excellence when it relates to always wanting more, always wanting to, uh, to have the, the gap thinking or seeing where I might be less than. If that is the challenge, one possible solution might be the practice of gratitude plus curiosity plus self-compassion. And that might help us get to that piece. Podcast over, done. You were just in a complete flow. That was amazing. That was so good. And you had mentioned earlier kind of about this, you were on this other podcast and kind of being coached real time and then made the reference to the gap in the gain. How is your, and then coming with this uh, gratitude plus curiosity plus self-compassion, when did that shift for you? When did it shift to, to finding this, this place of peace was the answer is it's almost like the North star in, yes. in kind of the keystone that makes everything else possible. When did it shift? I can tell you the specific moment. I won't be able to share uh, 
the people around me or exactly what was going on around me because I'm sworn to confidentiality. And I take that very serious. I can tell you the exact moment that it happened, uh, or at least I can tell you a number of moments that have led on the journey to patience and grace with self. One of them was when I was invited. It was at a front row dad's retreat. It was in Nashville, Tennessee, if I'm not mistaken. We did an exercise, and it may have been a different location, but we did an exercise at a front row dad's retreat where we had a, a professional uh, guide of some sort come in and do breath work with us. And you know, they, they set the environment right, put on some very soothing, low background music. There was a scent in the air. They made the room a little bit darker. There were some candles there. There were some other facilitators uh, in the room who had some very interesting instruments. There was someone that had a diggeridoo, didgeridoo. I, didgeridoo. I even said that right. Yeah, they had one of those. Uh, and then maybe there was like a small drum of some kind. And they set the environment for us to really feel comfortable and safe and share through this vibration and sound, breathing, share what you were feeling and unlock any of these things that were kind of locked in your heart or stuck. And for me, where the self-compassion and, and grace came up was when I started thinking about my middle daughter, mm. when you know, I can be a fairly intense, focused individual, and that can show up in the form, well, it used to show up in the form, quite transparently, of yelling. And that was the reason that I joined the Front Row Dads is because I know that all the great things my dad gave me, one of the things is that when you didn't follow this particular way, there was a temper. I never got beat up or you know, anything like that from my dad. He never called me a piece of poop or anything of that nature. He would simply raise his voice and share. Uh, I don't think he'd call it sharing at the time. <laughs> he would raise his voice and say, stop that or do it differently or something of that nature. I did the same thing. And I did it like this, like we're talking over virtual right now. I did it over Zoom. I had mute out and I'd say, Lucy. And I'd say it very loud. Mike, very loud. And I did that for you know, probably 11 to 13 months-ish, about five years ago. And I felt, even as I was doing it, I felt pain that uh, she doesn't understand this. And I kept doing it, I didn't know why. It's like I didn't have control over it. And I know I totally did. So this came up. This was the moment that I realized I need to practice some, some self-compassion and grace for me and patience and grace for the kids around me. I was molding them to have to act perfectly. And I was expecting everyone to act to the highest standard, even before they understand what it is or why it is. And that's just simply not fair. It's not fair for them. It's not fair for me to expect that of them. And I needed to understand that. I did not at the time. I felt that the iron hand of standards was the way to rule, was the way to go. And I firmly believe now that that is not the way for me to go in raising my family at this time. Mm. So I had to take a step back and have a little self-compassion and grace with myself and with them. And as a result of that, Mike, by the way, in that moment right there in the breathing, I was crying like a baby. I mean, the facilitator was saying, everyone make a whale sound or make some sound. And I literally uh, just let it all out. I've only cried like that five times in my life. 
I can remember outside of being a kid when everyone cries five times and they were all at funerals uh my dad's funeral and then four others that i saw him cry at and i, I had this place of emotion built up this so focused on standards and not enough on the heart and the people side of it and that was one moment that unlocked it was being open and vulnerable to what the possibilities were in that moment in that breathwork exercise and i believe if i could say i believe you might have been in that room with me at the time yes uh, I was. If i'm not mistaken that was a moving experience for me one i'll always remember that was yeah. one i felt the shift tying there there's a piece of that that is a release a and it kind of mm. you, you mentioned earlier if you have ill feelings towards somebody you will write them out gratitude you'll write them a card of sorts right again writing something down is a release it's getting mm. it out of your body onto paper somewhere else and tying it so that experience also tying into the no yelling household you know that kind of being a result of peace you talked about outbursts outbursts from that your dad would maybe have with you growing up outbursts that you would you know mute the zoom and yell and for me i've ex what i've experienced is a lot of times these outbursts in certain situations are just unresolved things within myself that's a release and a projection onto let's use our children as an example um and so so figuring out a way to release this out of our bodies seems like a really good way to start on our journey towards peace. Would you agree though with that? This outburst in, in the yelling example at some, at some point is, is just unresolved issues that we have with ourselves. Do you see that as a pattern anywhere in your uh, experience with coaching? I not only see that as a pattern, I believe that is uh, a lot of wisdom you're sharing there, Mike. And I like to go deeper with you on the subject because I feel this is super important uh the wisdom of seeing whatever it is that might be unresolved in ourselves if we can get to that place if you're at the edge of that right now dear listener where you can see that things that may be unresolved from your past are where some of these uh, vibrations are coming from where these challenges are coming from then i'm going to invite you into an exercise here uh and uh i'd like to share this with you give you one moment i'm pulling out my journal right now uh a journal of where i work to overcome part of this and uh, i'm going back in time uh, to my very first journal uh if you see it in the screen it looks like it's a uh, elven from the lord of the rings i i like that it's kind of cool to me uh and in helping to release some of these challenges release some of this built up emotion in releasing some of the trauma in releasing some of my stuff. If that's, if you're ready for that, then here's a process that you might use to help work on some of that. And I'm going to walk you through a logical process. And then if we have time, maybe part of the heart process as well. The logical part of the process is step one is to identify these triggers, identify the things uh, where you do tend to lose it, lose your cool, or the places where you have frustration, places where you have anger, places where you feel there's some unresolved something. You know, for me, it's frustration, anger, it's impatience. Those are the triggers for me. They're triggered by certain circumstances. So I identify the emotion or the, the feeling. 
you know, sec, step one. Step two is identify what's the specific circumstance where you get triggered. Step two, identify that specific circumstance where you are triggered. Step two. And after you've done that, you've identified the feeling. The feeling for me might be that anger. You've identified the circumstance. Well, the circumstance for me might be that my middle child is hitting my younger child. Or a more tangible for everyone out there, someone cuts me off in traffic. Mm. Or, you know, they I have to pay an extra charge I wasn't expecting, and it's automatically charged my card for the ever-increasing fee on Netflix, that extra dollar. Right? Whatever it is, something causes us to feel some type of emotion that might have some uh, unresolved stuff behind it. So once you've identified the feeling, identified the uh, circumstance that might trigger you, here is the exercise that I might invite you to. And I'm going to read to you uh, from my journal on Wednesday, August 16th, 2017. Uh, and this is a specific format. So listen to the story and I'll go back and run through the format, the structure of how you can work through your trauma, work through your stuff. Me again, cutting in here and just wanted to remind you that if you haven't already done so, go over to UYEClarityTool.com and pick up your free copy of our brand new Clarity Tool exclusively for Unlock Your Excellence podcast listeners. While you're there, you can also register for one of our free bi-weekly masterminds where we dive deep into this four-part framework where you will be surrounded with other hard-charging, entrepreneurial-minded people who are on a common pursuit of excellence like yourself. Again, head on over to UYEClarityTool.com and we'll see you there. So here it goes. Uh, lessons learned. My friends, my friends joined the conversation yesterday with Mr. Frustration and Mr. Impatience coming to play in the evening when we had a very specific agenda, which got blown up in about 90 to 120 minutes was chaotic without any aim or purpose. I realized about an hour into it that my friends were there. It's amazing. I only become aware of these emotions as I was feeling them. Due to my journaling around them, I would think that I'd already have my armor built up. Yet it was only after I was in the emotion for an hour and a half that it dawned on me I was in a funk. Once I realized it, I quickly pivoted to a really strong, positive, and made it productive. Okay. That may have been breakthrough for some of you, or it may have been a lot of blah, blah. Here's how it may serve you. When you can identify the emotion, you can identify the triggering situation. I like to give it a name. I like to give it a male or female uh, adult name. Call it Mr. Frustration, Mrs. Impatience. I like to give it a name. And then I like to share a story of why they're here at my table right now. Okay. Hey, friends, I see that you're here at the table with me right now. Hmm. You're here for this reason. I want to let you know that I'm glad you're here. I appreciate your mere presence here with me because I know you're here to teach me something. And I'm feeling this way right now because I don't quite understand what you're here to teach me. I appreciate you're here. I'm glad you're here. Keep coming back because you're here to teach me. And every time you show up, you are going to have less and less power over me. Thanks for showing up. See you next time. With that format, 
So end, end it right there, Mike. With that format of identifying the emotion, identifying the specific targeting circumstance, and then literally, I like to journal about it or say it out loud in front of a group. Uh, I want to welcome these friends. I want to welcome these challenges because these things are here to teach me something. Every time that they show up, I'm going to learn something. And as a result of that, I'm glad you're here. It may not be easy. I may not understand right now. I know I will learn something from you being here. So thank you for showing up. And by the way, every time you show up in the future, you will have less and less power over me. Thank you. And so end it right there, Mike. That is the, the place that I coach people on how to overcome their challenges by being able to identify them, identifying the emotions, and working through giving them a name, welcoming them in. The more we are able to accept the things that we cannot control, the quicker we will be able to realize they are here for us, not against us, not happening to us. They are here for us. That would be the um, the thought of the day so far. What do you think? I love it. And that reminds me this idea, again, going back to the getting, just physically getting it out, right? We, we went to that before, getting it out of your head, getting starting the journal. And then there's repetition piece because it's going to continue to come back. You remind me, it's it's funny you give me, you mentioned giving it a name. Uh, I interviewed, recently interviewed Lucas Jaden, author of this book that's over here. And um, he calls it the little man voice. So anytime mm -hmm. it shows up, the I'm not enough, um, the I'll never be good enough, the frustrations. So very similar, identifying it as uh, as a person, as something that's showing up. And it's this repetition piece that I come back to. <clears throat> and it would be easy to think and say, well, just stop. Just stop thinking that. Just stop. Just, or, or just don't. Just don't yell. Just don't whatever. And I feel like that's kind of some advice. There's just some bad advice that's given around this topic, right? In the, mm -hmm. in the realm of personal growth. And there's a lot of... Uh, you know, 17-year-old life coaches out there that are probably sharing a lot of things on social media that just aren't very good. So I, I really appreciate you breaking that down. I want to come back to repetition, though. I want to come back to this is something that can, can that will come up day in and day out for a lot of people. So what are some routines that somebody can get into or that, that, can, that they can practice on a daily basis that can help mm -hmm. them with this repetition so when it does come up, they have, they're able to better craft their response to each situation that may come up in their day-to-day -day life. Thank you. I would love to answer that repetition routine. Before I do, let's hop back for a second to the person that's giving the advice. Just stop. Just stop. Uh, that worked for me for a little while when it came to, yeah, just stop smoking. You know, just stop eating later. Uh, at night, past seven o'clock, just stop. I tried that and it worked and it worked. But those are physical actions that for me had not manifested into kind of my deep psyche and inner core. It was pretty simple for me just to stop those things. But just stop yelling. That is something generational, a, a temper that I've witnessed that I grew up in that just stop feeling is what you're really saying to me. And I did that for the longest time. I learned how to shut off any emotion or feeling 
And I've spent the better part of the last 15 years learning how to feel again or learning how to feel for the first time. So if the advice is just stop, that might work and it might have other unintended consequences that build up over time. I can tell you from the school of thought of just stop doing that. I did that and it caused other things. So I would go more to the place of if, if you really want to solve and make it so that the challenge doesn't keep coming back over and over and over again forever, I would uh, encourage everyone to use that or try the place that I offer. Just stop might do something and it might also cause some unintended consequences on the other side of it. I would rather go through the problem and resolve it rather than just give you the fish. I'd rather teach you how to fish. Uh, and I feel this is a more powerful way. It's my own personal bias. Uh, so thank you for, uh, for letting me share that. Let's go to repetition and routine. I love this question. It's one of my favorite things to talk about is the repetition and the routine of priming your day. I get excited just, just thinking about it, doing what I would call, well, not what I would call, what my friend Hal Elrod would call the miracle morning. He came up with it. I'm not stealing Hal's book. Actually, I might. I, I'm taking over Hal Elrod's Miracle Morning right now. You heard uh, it here so first. Hal, love you, brother. Uh, we're we're going to have the Miracle Morning right now, drink on style. Now, I'm just teasing. I love Hal. You're another front row dad. Uh, I would say that priming each day starts with the night before for me. It starts the night before. And I know that every morning there's going to be certain expectations uh, for me as dad, for me as coach, for me as a husband. And... I could totally shirk those responsibilities. I could wake up in the morning. I could not go and make Julie's coffee or make breakfast for the kids or go and read and do all my stuff. I could consciously choose to not do that the night before and just wake up frantic, grab a cup of coffee, go to work like so many people out there. By the way, I'm not judging any of those people. If that's where you're at, you made it this far, which shows that you're successful in your world because you are here right now that shows that you have some modicum of success. Good for you. What I would consider is this, and what I do is this. Night before, I like to look at what's coming up the next day. I like to set my intention the next day before I even go to bed. So I knew coming in today that I was gonna get a chance to be with you today. I set an intention that tomorrow, I'm gonna show up and be as present as humanly possible for everyone that shows up in my world. That was my intention before I went to bed last night. So I show up today, Got four coaching calls. I'm on four podcasts today. So I'm doing this. It's a very intentional day and making all this breakfast and making dinner and playing with kids, all that stuff. How I did this morning, repetition and routine. I woke up like I do every morning at 4.30 a.m. Eastern. I go in the bathroom, quick go to the bathroom. Then I go to the mirror. And this is where the real routine starts. I grab my toothbrush and I brush my teeth. And man... I am not joking when I say this, Mike. I do it mindfully. The first minute of brushing my teeth, I am excited to get into the day. I can't say that I'm excited to brush my teeth specifically. But man, when I'm in that moment, I am mindfully doing it mindfully. I'm feeling the rug on my feet. I'm looking in the mirror, looking myself in the eye, brushing my teeth and feeling it go over my teeth. I'm feeling myself get fresher and come to life moment by moment. Go downstairs, do the whole miracle morning, read the book. It's fantastic. How I prime the day is a great example of how I want to, not always perfect, but how I want to live my life with intentionality towards the moment right now. 
So I do it every morning, almost for eight years now. My eight-year anniversary is coming up on July 27th, 22nd, eight-year anniversary of the Miracle Morning. Done it nearly every day, Monday through Saturday, every day. And that priming of the day, I had to get up, be mindful of brushing my teeth, be mindful of that meditation practice is how we start every day. First thing I come downstairs, I'm not on my phone. That's like the anti-priming. Look mm-hmm. at your phone. That will kill all momentum when you get stuck on someone else's agenda, someone else's to-do list, someone else's video, whatever it might be. If you choose to do that intentionally, it's great. Again, no judgment towards anyone. If you do that and it's just a habit, get that cell phone jail, baby. Get that cell phone jail. Come downstairs. 10 minutes of meditation every morning. Every morning. Start the day. John Roman said it, man. He said, stillness is a move at our last part with dad retreat i've thought that for years i I full wholeheartedly believe in that stillness is a move start the day with that meditation guided meditation just working my breathing i'm so cool so calm so relaxed i'm not thinking about a billion things happening today just in that moment when you start your day that way you practice it over and over again you become a little bit cooler. And when you are, you're able to be more centered with your heart, be more focused with your thinking and the cerebral side. You're able to be present in the moment, Mike. And that is, back to the beginning, the best key to unlocking excellence. I would call this my coaching practice the pill in the peanut butter. Ever have a dog sick? You got to take your dog to the vet. They give you the pills. Dogs do not eat pills. I've never had a dog actually voluntarily eat one pill I put in front of them. But to tell you what you do, though, get your peanut butter, put that pill in there, and then put the peanut butter on your finger. That dog will eat that. That dog will feel better. That's the way that I view what we're talking about right now. The pill and the peanut butter. What helps us feel better is that stillness, is that place where we're relaxed, that place where we're centered. That's the pill. Right. Well, the peanut butter might be this Miracle Morning concept, the, the vehicle that looks nice and shiny. It's a nice book. There's other books out there. Our friend Josh Painter just wrote a book, best version ever. You know, there's another book out there, Craig Ballantyne, The Perfect Day Formula. These are all thoughts on how to concoct this repetition, this routine of priming your day. No matter what the vehicle, the pill is that silence. Because that's what it is to me. It's that meditation, it's that moment of pause to be present. That's how I prime the day. There are other things I do. I've got pulled up on my iPad here, the the affirmations of which I've got seven. The most meaningful of which is my marriage affirmation. That's the one that really centers me on Julie. I'm able to be patient towards her, right? And there's some reading and there's some exercise. The reading to me looks like right now I'm reading Dan Millman's book, you know, The uh, Way of the Peaceful Warrior, for the seventh time. It's it's on my second to Mount Rushmore. It's not on my top four Mount Rushmore books, but it's on the second tier. And I read it. This is the seventh time. Love it. Absolutely love it. And uh, there's that. There's the scribing, as Hal would say, The Miracle Morning, which is the journaling, which you love to do every morning for about 10 to 20 minutes. That is how I prime the day. That whole process it goes about 50 to 60 minutes during the school year. 
It used to be about an hour and a half before a school year starts in the summertime. It's much longer because the kids don't wake up, but I got to get them up at five 30 to be at the bus uh, by six 30. So we uh, do the miracle morning for about 50 to 50 to 55 minutes. And that's how I prime the day, my friend. That's awesome. And yeah, if you haven't read the book, the miracle morning, go get yourself a copy because uh, that story that Matt just laid out is a very common story from practitioners of the miracle morning. I wanted to touch on Matt. I wanted to touch on affirmations for a minute and scribing. You are a masterful journaler and there's a lot of, you know, from somebody who hasn't been a masterful journaler in their life, I, I'm saying this from my own point of view, but also projecting on the audience that it's not the most common thing that people do on a daily basis, right? And if anybody took a picture of your journal, they would see how perfectly it is laid out and they would say, uh, I can't do that. Where would be a great place to start for somebody in their journaling routine? And what you're, you're just very masterful at the questions that you ask of yourself on a daily basis. And one of, that's one of the things that I've always admired about you. Where would a person start if they've never journaled before? Where would you start mm. with your journaling practice? And then we'll dive into the affirmation piece in a minute. Start with the understanding, my friends, that this is something that, like when you invest, there's the compound interest of money over time. Same concept here. This is the compound interest of you working on you or pouring into you or writing about something important to you over time. You'll feel it. You'll get into a flow of doing it. If you're expecting an instant impact, you might be setting yourself up for an unwinnable game. So that's the first thought is that this is something that will work depending on what you want it for. If you want a quick fix, solve something one day. That might work as a Band-Aid. Over time, the real joy or the real value that I'm getting from journaling, it's very intentional because I've designed it that way. Here's an example. So right now, if you look at my journal right now, February 2023, it's the same every day because I want something right now very specific. I want to practice being in the moment. I want to practice inner peace. And I get that by really honing in and focusing on the right now to go a step further. I want to focus on being present with my children, with my wife, and many times with my business. I want to be present with those things. So my format of journaling is really simple. I start off every day with three meaningful moments from yesterday, three. And as a result of this, I'm training myself to make meaningful moments happen every day. John Roman, again, our friend, wrote a book called The Front Row Factor. He might call this living life in the front row or making magical moments. When you start to be a moment maker, moments start to happen. So I'm training my eye to look for magical moments, meaningful moments every day. That's the lens that I'm putting on and that is being facilitated by my journaling. So you can go back for probably since August of 2021, about a year and a half, 
that's how long I've been on this practice of three meaningful moments. And I remember that time exactly because I remember at that time, I was looking for three wins every day. What are three wins? I was looking for things that felt like wins. You know, and then I think it was our front row dad or fellow front row dad, uh, Tucker Max, who gave some advice at that same front row dad summit. He said something about looking for something specific. I don't remember what it is at the moment, but I remember he said it. I shifted my journaling for about a month to look for that. It was three something. I don't remember what it was. I look, I wrote down three wins for years. Oh, pardon me. I wrote down three things I was grateful for, for probably four years. And then Tucker suggested look for wins. So I, I started to write down wins. Now I'm working on being present. So I'm looking for meaningful moments with my kids, my wife, and my business or myself. So as an example, here's one from yesterday. And this will probably take about 60 seconds to share, but this is what I wrote in my journal this morning. You know, Wednesday, February 1st, 2023, six days to the Phoenix Open. Three meaningful moments. One, yesterday, I drove Lily to karate and I picked up her friend with her. They played in the back seat and it dawned on me. I've become the driver, the chauffeur, the transportation. And yes, I do talk to myself in this own voice in my head, yes. Uh, they didn't pay me much attention. And now I'm feeling very Cat Stevens, Cats in the Cradle song rushing over me as if in a time warp. Where does that time go? Back to that moment in the car. They're playing, they're happy, and I'm happy for them. The innocence and raw emotion of a child make me reflect on the beauty of the moment. So that's one simple example of looking for a meaningful moment. While I'm driving a car and the kids are playing in the back seat and I'm watching them play and I'm feeling happy for them. And that's being present in the moment. That's one example. What I want is I want to be present right now. That's why I journal meaningful moments that happen each day. It's an example, Mike. Um, that might be a place to start. Uh, and you know me, if you ask a question, I'll give you the answer and then three more answers to other questions. So let's keep going deeper. The second part of the journal might be this. I wrote down yesterday's results. Every day in my journal, I write down an accounting of yesterday's results because I feel it's important for me to be transparent and accountable. By the way, I send this, I take a picture of my journal just about every morning. I send it to clients who are in this, this journey with me on accountability, right? So I share some of my own uh, accountability in yesterday. So I look at the, actually, I'm, I'm not going to read you what I wrote down for this morning because it's, it's a bit personal. Uh, I share it with clients. I don't know if I can share it with the universe just yet. Uh, but I, I would go back a day and look at this. Yesterday results. Sleep from 9.50 to 4.30 a.m. I scored a 72 on my sleep score and I scored an 83 on my readiness score. That's on this little ring that I wear. It tracks these things. So I write down accountable for my sleep. I write down nutrition. Banana, hundred ounces of water, almonds, a homemade pizza, and two pints of milk. That's uh, almond milk of some kind. My friend Jason runs that company. It's great, great stuff, milk. Uh, and then exercise, meditated three times, stretched, ran a mile. So that's what I write down. I write down my nutrition, my exercise, my sleep every day to be accountable to those things because those are the ingredients that go into this high-performance machine every day, right? That's, that's the journaling piece for me right now, Mike. I'll pause at that. No, that's awesome. And shifting to the affirmations quickly before we start to wrap up do your affirmations change and 
two-part question and how do you craft your affirmations affirmations do they change and how do i craft them great questions uh, yes they've shifted over time and how do i write them i think the best way might be to uh, to read them so a couple thoughts and affirmations one is that this is not i am a billionaire and money is attracted to me uh well it's not something that i am not it's not a physical intangible thing that i am i am not a billionaire uh, so I'm not going to write that. I'm not going to project myself into a place where I know I am not. That would be incongruent to me to do so. And it would make sense on the inside. I would almost be writing something I know is a lie. So I don't do affirmations that way. I write down values, who I strive to be, who I am. And I'll give you an example. Here's the first thing I read every morning. This is number one. Uh, it's right here. I'll even show it on the screen so that anyone out there can see it. Uh, this is what it looks like. I am energy, light, and sun. I radiate the positive energy and give it to everyone I touch. I shine like the sun and am an energy source for others. Everyone I come in contact with gets a source of energy they can feed them. I will see the light. I will see the positive that can come out of this. I'm future forward facing positive. I bring an energy to the right here, right now, and I live in the now. My energy and vitality are poured into what I'm doing right now. I love it now. I revel in it now. I'm grateful for now. I perform my best now, here and now. I'm ready and will add value and energy to everyone. That's an example. And you can see, by the way, that the fr it's framed. It's A lot of it says positive energy now, right? Because I want to be present wherever I'm at. I want this to be what's on autopilot. So I bring that right now to wherever we are all right so that's how i write the affirmation is one projecting that this is who i am this is how i am right now and there are six more of those uh that i've written that i read every morning and they have shifted over time this one was written seven years ago this is the very first card i ever wrote when i started my miracle morning i still read it because i want to show up not that i want to i do show up this way now uh and i want to so that's the affirmation for me well, that's awesome. There's been three or four different times in this podcast that could be standalone topics on their own. And uh, Matt, I just, I'm so grateful that you were here on today's show to be able to share this gratitude plus curiosity plus self-compassion. Uh, that's a huge, huge takeaway in this idea of repetition and routine. Um, if there's anybody in my life that I look at that's a master of routine, it is you, sir. So Thank as you. we wrap up here, is there anything else after the all the topics that we've talked about today, putting a bow on it, is there anything else that you want to leave the listener with as we, as we end this podcast? Thank you for asking. And in fact, there is. Uh, there is. And I, and I would share this, that uh, I would encourage you to go and check out my podcast for one, uh, the Eternal Optimist podcast, where I interview people and ask them about their hardest stuff and how they overcame it, what they learned from it, and what they're doing next in their worlds, what their passion is, what their why is. I've had a bunch of famous people on there. I've had a bunch of front row dads on there. Uh, and I would love for you to go and check that out. Subscribe, rate, and review. That's my advertisement. Uh, I'm also a coach. You can go check me out and, and talk about business too. What I really want to share with the audience to wrap things up, Mike, 
is this idea of what our show is all about. It is about hope. It is about you can do it too. Whatever you can in your mind see happening, you can make into a reality. You can construct things the way you think, the way that you feel even can be constructed. You can create whoever, whatever it is you want to become through the practice, through the repetition. You can learn how. There is a way. You can do it. Uh, you simply need to figure out how to do that. And that's what I'm here to do. That's what our podcast is here to do. So having shared that, I, I would say this, as I say at every live stream, I do a live stream every morning at 7 a.m. Eastern, Monday through Saturday on my channels, the Eternal Optimist podcast on Facebook and Instagram. I would share this. Wherever you are right now, if you're fortunate enough to listen to this podcast, not because it's me or Mike, we're both awesome, uh, especially me. I'm just kidding, especially Mike. Yeah, we have a good time with this stuff. I would encourage you, and if you happen to listen to this, go and share a little bit of yourself with someone important in your life. I had the unfortunate circumstance of my father being taken from me at the age of 28 unexpectedly overnight. I'm so glad that I saw him for the three days before that, and we cleared the air of some stuff that we had. And I would just encourage you, if you have any stuff, any chips on your shoulder with someone you love, with someone that's been in your life for a long time, be the leader, no matter how painful it might be, and it's going to be hard, go and settle that or do your best to settle it now before it's too late. Now, and if you don't have any beefs or chips or anything of that nature, just share, just share yourself with someone. Someone out there is in pain or would be greatly uplifted if you were to go and simply text them. Hey, I was thinking about you. Hope you're well. Or email them or call them. Touch one person a day. Imagine if everyone in the world did this at the same time on the same day. The amount of energy and positivity that will be created when we all do this at the same time. We all have to reach out to someone and share, you're important. I hear you. I value you. I appreciate you. You're important. It'd be, mag be magnificent. So I'll leave with that, Mike. Love you, man. Thanks for having me on. The butterfly effect. Matt, I appreciate you so much. The Eternal Optimist podcast, like he said, he's on Instagram and Facebook every morning with the live. Um, you can find him on all the social platforms, uh, but then definitely check out the Eternal Optimist podcast. Matt, thank you so much for being here. Well, everyone, Pleasure, that's brother. a wrap on another episode of the Unlock Your Excellence podcast. Don't forget to head on over to download a free copy of our clarity tool and sign up for one of our free mini mastermind sessions. All that can be found at UYEClarityTool.com. We will continue the journey next week with another amazing episode. And in the meantime, come hang out with us on social. We're on all the platforms, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Just search my name, and I can't wait to see you there. Bye, everyone.